G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Another opportunity today to get some insights into what are some of the, some might say, disturbing developments in India where persecution of Christians continues to deepen in one of the most populous nations on earth. In India, there are now anti-conversion laws in six states. So let's talk to a ministry called Christ for India who are raising up pastors with quality, higher, formal education to take the gospel to their nation. Uh, Graduates have planted more than 200 congregations with tens of thousands of members. Johnson Titus is president of Christ for India in Andhra Pradesh state. The ministry started 36 years ago by his father, Dr. P.J. Titus. A special welcome to 2020 to you, Johnson Titus. Thank you, sir. We're glad to be here and uh, great great that you give us the time to share what God is doing in India. Johnson, 36 years and your parents started the ministry, you and your brother uh, really are now the spearheads. Uh, in 36 years, there's been tremendous growth. Wonderful things have happened. Now, God's faithfulness in our ministry is immeasurable. He has continued to give us uh, grace. He has continued to open new doors and has blessed our ministry and growth. And uh, we praise God for what he's done through our ministry started by our parents 36 years ago in a small town just outside of a city called Vishagapatnam. And uh, when they first began, there was nothing there, no running water, electricity. This is the typical wilderness story. But uh, it's now a modern town. We've grown. The community has been blessed. And uh, through our educational institutions, uh, we've become a part of our part of that community, and they've accepted us, and uh, we're blessed to be there. Vishakhapatnam, it's the largest city and the financial capital of the Indian state of Andhra Pradesh. So it's a go-ahead city. It's it's a little more affluent than some other places that uh, many of our listeners might picture as they think of India. Yes, it's the the city's uh, designation is called City of Destiny. It's a port city. Um, we are a tourist uh, plus. Uh, we have lots of manufacturing and ore and industries coming in from the coast. So that's it's a growing city. It's one of the top two tier cities that uh, in 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 Andhra right now. And uh, since the two states were separated, we've sort of gotten the uh, blessings, if you would say, by growing and more people coming into our area. And uh, we see phenomenal growth as as a people, as a city, and uh, as a ministry. Johnson, when we're talking about India these days, it's usually around this issue of persecution of Christians because there is a deepening sense of 
uh, Indian nationalism, Hindu nationalism that's taking a hold. And there are some very serious and significant things that are coming as soon as 2020. What do you understand about the status of Christians from just a year and a half from now? The census back in 2000, when they did the uh, official national census, the percentage of Christians that the government has uh, listed is somewhere around 2.6. That, in the government records, has not changed for the past, now, 16 years. We had uh, another census in 2011. They still have not released the numbers of how much the Christian population has grown. We know, as visual, as, uh, as a fellowship, we know that the Church of India has grown, but they're just not releasing these numbers, because it, it puts their light and, you know, their, their numbers in a different light. And uh, we've seen in our city, in our state, large congregations, many, many churches are being formed and planted, and uh, but the numbers are not being calculated according to their census. So that is something that we've searched, we've tried to get from the government. They won't release the numbers. And uh, we pray that this coming year, which is in 2019, we're having another general election, which the, the ruling party is, the way it's headed, it seems that they're going to steamroll all the other remaining states into becoming the party uh, of that state. And uh, that will make major changes in rules, regulations, and as, the, as, as you were saying, the, their focus is by 2020 to become a one religion nation, which is Hinduism. And then you can be whatever else you want. You can be Hindu first, Christian later. And that's their main goal or ideology is they want to become a very nationalistic. I know it's, it's the same topic in many other nations, but in our country especially, and there are many uh, very hard-line people pushing this agenda. All right. Now, mostly when we hear of persecution of Christians uh, by this rising Hindu nationalist mentality, uh, we're talking about those northern states. You're a little further to the south. Persecution in Vishakapatnam, uh, in Andhra Pradesh, is not as severe as it is in the north. No, uh, the South seems to be a little bit more receptive to the nod to the gospel. Uh, that's where the South was evangelized from St. Thomas, you know, two thousand years ago, and it, the South seems to be much more more accepting of the gospel. The North is a very hard place to work. Uh, there are lots of hindrances, place, people. Uh, many churches are not even allowed to be a worship in, in certain parts of town. Uh, there are even in the city, in the capital of India, we have churches that we've established where there's few people gathering, and it's very hard even just to have a place to worship. Uh, they try and rent a place they won't be given, or they'll be kicked out after a short time. Uh, they can't have any loud music or any praise, so it's, it's a very difficult... You think of only of the underground church in China, but it's just as, as difficult as it is in India. Now, if you're going to train up Christian leaders, and I mentioned in the introduction that you're training up men and women, uh, you've planted more than 200 congregations, but you're 
seeking a quality higher formal education and you have uh, one of those educational facilities that you're operating, uh, what sort of response have you been getting from uh, those who've been attending and uh, the, the good work that they're doing in the planting of churches? How do you describe yeah. the, the success of what's happened with your higher education arm? Again, it's a grace of God, but in the 36 years, the Bible College has put out more than 3,000 graduates who have gone now literally to all, all nations, and uh, they have done bigger and better. We have many ministries that have been formed from our graduates who are doing uh, phenomenal work as church planners, as institution heads. They're uh, planning more churches. Their ministries are now going out and doing more uh, evangelism even than we would have imagined. And uh, right now we have a seminary on campus which is offering a diploma, bachelor's, uh, master's divinity, and two MTHs, which is uh, MTH in missiology and church history. And we were blessed this year just to start the Ph.D. program in missions. So we are an academic qualified, accredited institution by ATA, which is Asian Theological Association. So our degree is valid, and uh, we, like we said, for 3,000 students for over the past 36 years, uh, they are all across India and in, in other parts of the world. Now, you've got a number of different ways that you pursue this ministry and influence in your state and throughout the nation of India. Uh, running Christian businessmen's conferences, are Indian business people attracted to a, a Christian-run conference? They are, but the problem was is that they wanted the actual business, that the knowledge of running a business uh, Indian civilization has been around for 6,000 years. They know how to do business. The situation was that they wanted the actual contracts. They wanted the deals. They wanted the mergers. They wanted, uh, you know, the actual transactions to take place. And we noticed that over the uh, several seminars that we conducted and held, uh, it started losing its appeal because they were coming with the sense of teaching them how to do, yes, we do need an ethical and a corrupt-free business, but uh, uh, that, that focus is now, you know, changed in the marketplace training. And the people actually wanted these deals to come through, and that did not happen. So now when we go, when we present these marketplace type of uh, programs, the attendance is a little weak. Okay. There's some other ways you outreach. You have many of your seminary students uh, traveling to schools to teach moral education because uh, in a land as vast as India, uh, moral education, one of those things that's been lacking. In every weekend, basically every Friday afternoon, our seminary students are taken by our own transportation. We're presently in 16 different schools with their permission and we're teaching a moral education, which is basically based off of uh, biblical principles. Um, but the state government and the government of India has made it mandatory that every school teaches a moral uh, education program. So we're really blessed that our seminary students are going out and uh, basically teaching biblical principles, uh, using this as an open door 
And uh, every year we bring all these students together to celebrate uh, and put together a program and how they've been blessed and sang songs and uh, programs and recitations. And uh, it's a blessing for the young people. And we believe that's one of the best evangelical tools that we have is our young people going out into the different uh, government schools and other private institutions uh, that can reach young people through the moral education program. Well, Johnson, you're in Australia, and undoubtedly, while you're here, you are looking to make some new friends, uh, new partners, new supporters, uh, new prayer warriors who will be behind your ministry. Uh, You'll be, no doubt, interested to talk to people who might be listening to this conversation now and saying, I really resonate with what they're doing in India, uh, aware of the persecution issues and the rise of Hindu nationalism, the changes that will come in 2020. Uh, if I give the website, uh, I'll encourage listeners to perhaps make contact with you, christforindia.org. And uh, there's an outline there and uh, pictures and all sorts of good information and resource uh, that you can access and find out about the ministry of Christ for India. What's your encouragement, uh, Johnson, before I let you go, about how Australians ought to pray for uh, India, with these changes that are coming, more substantial than perhaps all of us can imagine. But how do you hope that Australians might pray for India? One, we believe in miracles, and we believe that with the prayer from Australians and from other prayer partners around the world, our government can change their heart. And I believe that uh, we can win Christ for India. That's the first prayer. Second prayer is we pray for more people to keep our missionaries, keep our pastors, keep all the ministries that are continuing to do uh, kingdom expansion and pray for protection, peace, financial. Uh, many people see India as this prospering, growing nation, but in many situations, the poor are still poor. And that's where we do our work. Our ministry is, is for the downtrodden, the unreachable, and the untouchables, and that's been our heart. And so we request your prayers, and uh, financial assistance is always a blessing, and we pray that people will open their hearts and uh, continue to bless other ministries also in developing countries, and uh, just have a heart for the nations. And we know the Australians have a beautiful heart, and uh, we also have an organization here in Australia called AAMA. Uh, it's Australian Asian Associ- uh, Missions Association. It's uh, being uh, uh, overseen by Dr. Gladwin and Helen Turner out of Sydney. And uh, if I can mention their website, if you would uh, sure, that, yep. aama.org.au. And there is also information you will be getting uh, if you give and contribute. You can get a uh, tax exemption receipt, and uh, they also have information on teams coming to India. We would be honored to have people come with church youth uh, come to India to see what God is doing there. And some listeners will recognize Dr. Gladwin Turner has been a guest on 2020 a number of times. aama.org.au and the Christ for India website, christforindia.org. Johnson Titus is president of Christ for India in Andhra Pradesh. Johnson, thanks so much for taking some time to update us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil. God bless you. 
Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.